intended for family to be the expression of his covenant love and his covenant mercy. And so the first communion, first Passover, first first meal that indicated anything about the grace of God took place in the context of family. They didn't send the kids somewhere else and then the grown-ups just shared a meal, but everybody was there. I love this idea of being in God's presence. The table is there. The bread is there. The cup is there. And so because we are who we are, we get a chance to participate in the grace of God as a family. So when we say, ask for me and my house, when Joshua said that, he wasn't really threatening. He was just simply saying, I've got so much confidence in this God that has carried me for more than 40 years into the promised land to fulfill everything that he said concerning me. He's going to make it. He's going to make it happen. You serve a God who can make it happen. And he's not concerned about your challenges because he knows there is no challenge that you're facing that he can't handle. Our God is an awesome God. And even if you face someone that's almost 10 feet tall and weighs 400 pounds and has a spear that weighs 100 pounds, but who is so dumb he doesn't have his helmet on. <laughs> and he doesn't understand that David was trained by Benjamites who could throw rocks with their left hand and their right hand and could hit a strand of hair a hundred yards down the street. Smart rocks. <laughs> Saul looked at Goliath and saw somebody too big to kill. David looked at him and he said, with a head that big, I can't miss. <laughs> so you, you, you can't lose with the stuff David used. Amen. Praying together, staying together, any storm we can weather, trusting in God's word. We need each other. We need each other. Fathers and mothers. Fathers and mothers. Sisters and brothers. Sisters and brothers. In harmony and love. Look at somebody and say it. As for me and my house, we will serve. something here it looks like it's is it going in and out would you thank God for the sound men Amen. 
They can cut you off. So I just, I'm grateful for those guys. I never pick on them. Somebody holds the microphone wrong and get feedback. And, and then, of course, they all look back there as though it's his fault. So I call them the sound men of God, and they're just great to have. It's good to be with you, and I just so appreciate how much God is doing in this atmosphere. Amen. Delight of meeting Pastor Lata. And, of course, wonderful things take place when you're in an atmosphere like this. God can arrange relationships and meetings, and uh, you've discovered that you've known people long before you knew people. And of course, uh, listening to Scott share his song holiness that's what I long for I've been speaking on integrity in our context righteousness is our theme righteousness exalts and so we were singing this song holiness holiness is what I and so I thought you know we need to sing integrity integrity is what I long for Integrity is what I need. And God God puts the longing in you. It's not something you just stand and say, Oh, God, I long for integrity. You would never pray that on your own. And so God puts that desire in you to want to do something for him that's beyond what you would ask for under normal circumstances. This has been great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you, shake, rattle, and roll. It's been a delight to be with you. Well, as Britney Spears said to her second husband, I won't keep you long. (laughs) But I'm going to keep you for a few minutes anyway, because I think this is really important. I just want to tell you um, that the, the joy of a meeting like this is that you get to connect with people that you really need to connect with and and you wonder why God why did it take me so long to meet Scott and um, it didn't take you long you just needed the right connection and so here in Granbury Texas you have all of this going on and there are places that are much larger than this that don't have anything like this happening and so consider yourself blessed privilege. God must think a whole lot of Granbury, Texas and you. And so I'm excited about what God has in store for us. Um, Open your Bibles, please, with me anywhere. It's all good. But uh, I'm going to try. I'm just going to try Genesis 24. You can turn wherever you want to, but I'm going to go to Genesis 24. While you're finding Genesis 24, friend of mine was sharing with me the, an adventure of a, an elderly gentleman who in his 70s decided he would buy a Corvette, a brand new Corvette. And he's out on the New Jersey Turnpike and he says, let me open this thing up. And so he starts to drive down the road. He's speeding like he's lost his mind and he's feeling really good. And then it dawns on him. He says, I am 75 years old. I don't need to be doing this. And so before he could slow down, he, he heard this this siren in the back and he saw this light and he says, let me see if I can outrun him. (laughs) So he tried. He tried to outrun him but he realized, he says, no, this is even crazier. And so he pulled over and the trooper got out, walked up to him and he says, I have been doing this trooper thing 
for 35 years and he said, I have heard all of the excuses. He says, if you could give me one excuse that would help me to know that you're doing this. He says, and I've never heard it before, I'll let you go. And the guy looked at him, he said, well, officer, here's the deal. He said, 30 years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper. And he said, and I thought it was him trying to bring her back. So he let him go. In the scriptures, when David lost at Ziklag, the word of the Lord to David was, you will pursue, you will overtake, and without fail, you will recover everything. So if you have a sense or feeling that something is chasing you, it's not the enemy trying to bring stuff back to you, it's the grace of God. It's goodness and mercy following you to give you all that God has intended for you to have. Genesis 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age. Real old. Real old. Real old. Well advanced in age. Wrinkled old. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. He had blessed him in all things. I want you to tell the person next to you, say, I don't want to wait till I'm real old before I'm blessed. All right? And so this real old man said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth. Now, if a guy as old as Abraham had asked me to put my hand under his 175-year-old thigh, he wouldn't have had to ask me to swear. <laughs> I'd already been there, man. I just, oh, man, what in the, are you crazy? Ask, ask Pastor Latta what Abraham was really asking the servant to do. I don't have time to go into that. We have children present. He says, <laughs> I, but it, I'll tell you, thigh is a euphemism. That's all I'm going to say. He says, I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country, to my family, take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, you better not do that. Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house, from the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore to me saying, to your descendants I give this land. He shall send his angel. He shall send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this deadly oath, solemn oath that you are pronouncing. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, 
swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. I want you to notice that little genitive in that text. He took ten of his master's camels. Not all ten, but ten of his master's camels. Say ten of. Tell somebody next to you, say, he had a whole lot more than ten. Multiplied numbers of tens. He took ten of his master's camels, departed for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Now I want you to say this. I am looking for God's stuff because my camels are coming. And they are loaded with good things. Tell somebody, say, my camels are coming. And they're not empty. Loaded with good things. Verse 11, he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. I I share that scripture with my wife on a number of occasions. It's the women who go out to draw water. She shared that with her. and And she got tired of it one day. She says, well, if the women have to draw water, then the men have to make coffee. And I said, well, where is that in the Bible? She said, Hebrews. So... So, all right. I said, okay. Are you all all right? Okay. I'm just getting you smiling so I can bust your teeth out without splitting your lip. All right. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success today. Please give me success today. God of Abraham, my master, please give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. The word success is an interesting word. It's translated a number of things. In in fact, um, the King James says, grant me God's speed today. The Hebrew word is karah, karah. The, the word, when translated, has a, has a number of meanings to it, but the, the best way I have figured out how to connect our understanding of how things happen to, to what this word actually means is what, what the servant is asking for is he's saying, God, give me something today that I wish I had known I needed a couple of days ago. So that I could have prayed the prayer and you could have arranged it for me. So what I'm asking you for is something that I didn't even know that I needed to ask, but I need you to do it. Grant me a karah. It's probably better to say it that way and just have, grant me a karah. Say that, grant me a karah. He says, show loving kindness to my master Abraham. He says, behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, get the picture. He says, I'm going to pick the woman, not you, but I'm going to pick the woman as they're coming out. 
And the woman that I pick, I want her to be the one that you have chosen for Isaac. And here's the way I want to know that she's the one. When I say to her, give me a drink of water, she will say to me, yes, I will give you a drink of water. And oh, by the way, may I water all 10 of your camels. Now that's what he wants. He's asking for a supernatural indicator of his journey. He's on a journey. Now look, one camel can consume 20 gallons of water in 10 minutes. He's got 10. So he wants somebody who will say to him, I will bring 200 gallons of water for your camels. That's what I want. He says, now that's how I know. That's how I will know that you are in this. That she won't just give me a drink of water, but she'll water all 10 of my camels. 200 gallons worth. Now look, I'm just going to suggest he's not looking for pretty. He's looking for powerful. <laughs> and it happened. I love that in the Bible. That's a great phrase. And it happens. Tell somebody in the Bible, it happens. All right. <laughs> All right. Some of you have been saved too long. All right. He says, and it happened before he had finished speaking. Before he had finished speaking. Everybody say before. 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 Look, his prayer isn't even over yet. He's praying in his heart. He hasn't prayed out loud. He's just praying in his heart. And before he finishes the prayer, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother came out with her picture on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up before he had finished speaking. Before he had finished speaking. Here comes Rebecca. A number of years ago, my wife and I, we had been quite involved in a Pentecostal church. And uh, I had made the mistake of praying a prayer on our honeymoon. This would be like almost. Um, almost 41 years ago in September. It'll be 41 in September. On our honeymoon, I'm reading a little book entitled 15 Steps Out by Bob Mumford. Do you remember Mumford? And so in this book, Bob is praying this prayer. He says, and his prayer was, God, if you're doing anything on the earth, I want to be a part of that. And so I, I read that to Barbara and I said, honey, look at this. And so she looked at it and I said, let's pray that prayer. This, this is our honeymoon. We're just getting started. I've got a successful ministry in a Pentecostal organization similar to the one that you were a part of. And, uh, and so we prayed. She says, go ahead, pray that prayer. So I said, God, if you're doing anything on the earth, I want to be a part of that. 30 days later, I was kicked out of the organization. Oh. Just thrown out. I said, I used to say we were thrown out. My wife said, no, you were thrown out, and I had to follow you. So, <laughs> But I had no idea that that prayer was going to be answered that fast, and it took me years to discover that God was really answering my prayer because he really didn't let me back in to the organization, even though I was thrown out unjustly. You know, all convicts think they're innocent. <laughs> and so I said, God, what am I going to do? And right around that time, I was listening to faith preachers. 
word of faith preachers. And, and, and what they were saying was so refreshing to me that I just started listening to the, everybody. Ken Hagen, Ken Copeland, Fred Price, all of those guys. And they all had a phrase that they used to say. I mean, you, you, would, you would put Brother Hagen up and they would say, would you welcome Brother Hagen? And Brother Hagen would come up to the platform and he would say, well, bless God, amen. And Ken Copeland would say, same way, well, bless God, amen. Oklahoma accent. Well, bless God. Amen. Even Fred Price, he, he incorporated the accent too. Well, bless God. Amen. So I figured that had to go along with the word of faith life. Well, how y'all doing? Well, bless God. Amen. My turn. So I'm listening to the, all of this and it's just speaking to me. Now, when you're thrown out of an organization and you lose your income stream, then you begin to live by faith. I was just kind of thinking of maybe just sort of walking into the life of faith like this, you know, just. <laughs> but I got pushed into the pool. And one morning I woke up and uh, my wife was sitting at the kitchen table and she had this disconsolate look on her face. And I said, honey, what's wrong? She says, we don't have any groceries. I said, well, let's go buy some. She says, we don't have any money. And so I said, well, bless God, amen. <laughs> and she looked at me and I said, and then I heard myself say, and I don't know if you ever had it in a moment, when you hear yourself say something and you wonder why yourself said it. And so I said, well, go ahead and just make out a list and just write down all the things that we need. And she looked at me with this expression on her face, Negro. I know you heard me say we don't have any money. So why should I write out a list? She, she, you know, the face said it, but the hand just started writing out the list. And while she was doing that, I just paced back and forth between the kitchen and the dining room. Well, bless God, amen. Well, bless God, amen. I didn't know anything else to say. Well, bless God, amen. But now, that's what I say on the outside. On the inside, I was, I was praying in tongues as fast as I could. But I was cool on the outside. Well, bless God, amen. And then suddenly... She said, I'm done. Now what? And before I could say anything, the doorbell rang. You got a doorbell? Okay, so the doorbell. No, it wasn't like, it's just a simple doorbell. Just, just being. Uh, <laughs> so the doorbell rang and I said, honey, hold on a second. You talking about saved by the bell because I had no clue as to where we were going to go after she did that list. And so, uh, I went downstairs to the door, and there were two women who lived on the other side of town, about a 45-minute drive from their side of town to my side of town. And both of them had grocery bags in both arms. And I opened the door, and I asked the most profoundly stupid question. I said, what are you all doing here? And they said, the Lord said to bring you groceries. And I said, well, bless God, amen. And I said, come on in. And they came on in and walked up the stairs. I said, Barbara, we got groceries. And I'm telling you, I felt like, oh, God, this faith life is all right. Amen. All right. And so they went upstairs and put the grocery bags on the table. And as they were going out of the house, I thanked them so profoundly. I said, oh, guys, you so what? And they said, we're not done. And I said, you're not? No. And so I opened the door to see what they were talking about. Their car door was open, grocery bags on the back seat, grocery bags on the floor, grocery bags in the trunk. They had all kinds of groceries. And as they brought them inside, I, I was too stupid to even help them. I'm just kind of watching them. Well, bless God, amen. Well, bless God. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Because he said that too. Glory to God. Glory to God. I had the language down pat. This is the first time I was enjoying the experience of living by faith. I said, man, this is, this is awesome. And then my wife made this statement. She said, honey. I said, what? She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, everything on my list is in these bags. I said, oh, my God. Yeah. And then I started looking up the meaning of the word amen. That word is the most used, most profoundly understood, widely used word in human language. Anywhere in the world, amen is understood as amen. Can't change it. Amen. It means I believe. It means I'm secure. It means I'm established. It means I'm firm. It means I've heard you. It has so many different meanings. And I'm, I'm just watching this thing unfold before me and not realizing that maybe just because I said amen, God was causing something to work on my behalf. Now, here's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 65. Before you call... I will answer. And while you are yet speaking, I will hear you. So here are some ladies on the other side of town who have put together what has to be something like two hours worth of shopping. Bag it, put it in their car, and bring it to me. And I'm telling you, we started praying 15 minutes before they rang the bell. So somewhere in the providence of God, a karah is taking place. Uh, an event is happening in which I am saying to God, God, you got to do something. I'm not saying it. I'm, no, I, I'm probably saying it in tongues because there are things you, you don't have sense enough to ask for here. And so your spirit asks for it here. Grant him a karah. Give him what he needs. And when, when, when she says, I'm finished, Ding dong, and I go to. I'm, I'm happy that the bell is rung because I don't know where to go from there. But here's what I learned I learned that when you say amen, when you say amen, when you say amen, it's done. When you say amen, when you say amen. When you say amen, I believe it, I believe it. When you say amen, when you say amen, when you say amen, I got it. It's on my list. It's in the bag. If it's on my list, it's in the bag. If it's on my list, it's in the bag. If it's on my list, it's in the bag. So when you say, Say, hey, 
that Scott used and I think was the first song I heard and it was the word happenstance circumstance happenstance look there are moments in your life when something looks like it's a happenstance or a circumstance but uh, a Swiss psychiatrist used the term synchronicity and when he talks about synchronicity he says sometimes what we call coincidences are not just mere chances but a coinciding or an alignment of forces in the universe to create an in, an event of circumstance for instance my wife is leaving the grocery store to go home but we've moved and so her habit pattern is to go one way because of where we've lived for so long but because there's this new house she goes the wrong way and she's going back to the old house. And when she realizes, she, she has to turn around in the service station. When she does, she sees someone that she hasn't seen in years. And she's looking at her. She says, what are you doing? And she says, well, we had to get off the turnpike to get some gas. And what she realizes is that if she hadn't turned the wrong way, she wouldn't have had the encounter. There are many of us who think we turned the wrong way only to discover that you didn't turn the wrong way. You turned the right way into the right kind of encounter. And you had a synchronicity. Now, synchronicities and kairos moments go together. But the problem is that some folks don't recognize a kairos moment. The kairos moment is this. A, a kairos is a significant moment in time or history by which events are changed. But in order for them to be changed, you have to seize the moment. There's a passage in Genesis 28, verse verse 12, as Jacob is running from his brother Esau, the scripture says he came to a place. One translation says he came to a place. King James says he lighted upon a certain place. He just happened to light on a certain place. And lighting on that place, he just pulls up a rock, lays his head down, covers himself with his cloak, pulls in his staff close to him, and then suddenly begins to dream dreams of the presence of God, God standing at the top of the ladder, angels ascending and descending, and God talking to him. And Jacob awakens from that moment and he says, how awesome is this place? It is none other than the house of God, the gateway to heaven and 
I didn't know it. But the moment he realized what it was, he decided, I will do something with synchronicity and I will do something with Kairos. I'm not just going to let this moment pass. And so he seized the moment. Everybody say it, please. He seized the moment. Say it again. And he says, okay, God. He says, I hear what you're saying. You're the God of Abraham and Isaac, but you didn't see the God of Jacob. So here's the deal. If you will do what you said you were going to do, what you promised me, all the things that you said you are going to do, I will give you one-tenth of everything I earn, and you will be my God. He seized the moment. He took his oil. They always had oil. I don't know where they got it from, but they always had oil. And he anointed this pillar, and he called it Bethel, the house of God. There's a moment in your experience. I was saying last night, there's a, there's a place in my in our worship center that it's just my place and it's my Bethel I know I can have an encounter if I stay there long enough because God met me there regularly Bethel the house of God the gateway to heaven that place where you find that opening that's where you seize that moment and this is what happened to, to uh, Abraham's servant here comes this girl and he says could I have a drink of water and she says sure and he's drinking the water. And he hears her say, are those your camels? He says, yes. May I water them for you? Mm -hmm, yeah, sure. You water my camels. Now he's standing there. Now, if the servant had been a Pentecostal or a charismatic, she wouldn't have had to water them. He'd have, he'd have just been right there. He'd have said, hey, was not a charismatic. He was a man who had put his hand under that old man's thigh. And he had made a solemn promise. So he had to wait. And he watched her. He didn't offer to help her. He was as dumb as I was looking at the ladies. He didn't help her. He didn't do anything to make his promise come to pass. He just watched her. He just watched her and he watched her. And when, he, when she got finished, he walked up to her as a matter of gratitude, gave her a gold bracelet, and put a ring on her nose. About, I guess right now, about close to $3,000 worth of gold for hours of work. Now look, the Bible can put into limited time because you read it. See, I read that story in less than a minute. But I'm going to tell you something. It took a whole lot longer than a minute to water one camel. Down to the well, up to the camels. Down to the well, up to the camels. Now, think with me, please. Just think. What made Rebecca say, I'll water your camels? She's no novice. She understands what camels are like. What is it about us that provoke us to say things that in our normal, rational mind, we wouldn't even come close to saying it? I, there have been moments in my life when someone was receiving an offering, Pastor, for missions, and, and they just showed us these images of these poor people, swollen bellies and all of that, and they just, just said, we need a good offering. And so you dig deep and you turn to your wife and say, I think we're supposed to give our vacation money. You do? Yeah, we do. All of it? Yeah, that's just what I feel like God is saying. And so you write the check, and you don't know how you're going to get your vacation done, and you write the check, and, and then you give the check, and, and on the way out of the parking garage, you say, man, 
think we should have given all of that? It's called giver's remorse. I, Rebecca had to have giver's remorse. She just had to. Rebecca, girl, what were you thinking to make you say to the man, you water all of his camels? His servants could have helped. Nobody's helping you. Let me just suggest. This is just a suggestion. I've been reading this story for a long time. So I have some ideas that because of the way of life, I don't think I'm that far off. And if I am, Rebecca can straighten me out. I think Rebecca comes to a place in her life where she is so discontented, so let's, let's back up for just a few days. She's in the tent. Her work is done. But Laban's isn't there. So she hears Laban say, Rebecca, did you milk the goats? Yes. Did you feed the chickens? Yes. Did you clean my tent? Why would I clean your tent? Rebecca,
tells him who her daddy is. That's when the shout starts. Oh, glory to God.
to be so profound that you're eating the seven and the eight, and while you're sowing in the nine, you'll still be eating on the harvest of the six. But you gotta say something. Do you see what I'm saying? You gotta say something. Man bought he bought a beautiful macaw bird for his dad for Christmas. The bird could speak Portuguese and English. He spent almost $10,000 to pay for the bird, to have it inoculated, and to have it sent back to America so that it would get there alive. Ten days after Christmas, he called his dad and he said, Did you get the bird? He said, Sure did, son, and it was delicious. <laughs> He said, Dad, did you eat the bird? He said, I sure did, son. Just the gravy. I can't remember. He said, I had a couple friends. We enjoyed an unusual taste. He said, what was good? He said, Dad, I, I spent a fortune for that bird. I paid $10,000 for that bird. That bird could speak Portuguese and English. He drove away for a moment, then his dad said, well, he should have said something. <laughs> All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that there are some things that God wants you to have, but you got to say something. You have the hardest part. You say, well, I thought God had the hardest part. God doesn't have any hard parts. He doesn't have any difficulties. He doesn't have any impossibilities. Everything with God is easy. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. If his yoke is easy, how much more the Father's yoke? So when you say, so what do I say? You say,
Isaiah and 12 will declare the glory of God. For your word says one generation shall declare to the next the glory of God. Or let, let the profound word mix with the profound worship. Let this be the beginning of the season of shaking and moving of vitality. Let it be that place where someone will say, Grandmary. And you will say, Yes, Grandmary. And you will hear people say, Why can't I get it somewhere else? Because God will say, Because I didn't put it anywhere else. I put it here. So I call not only for this man, for this, this shepherd, and for the elders of this house to become stewards of the purpose of God. To recognize that God is up to incredible things. And the hunger of this house under the presence of God is about to be accelerated. They will come, Pastor, from the north and the south and the east and the west. And even though the word has been to swarm up yourself, you do that. But I have purpose to enlarge the place of your habitation. Days of smallness are done. Yes. You are going to break out on the right and on the left. Before you and behind you, for it will not be big enough for what I'm about to do. Be exalted, God. Be exalted, God. Would you stand receive it? Would you stand receive it? Say we receive it.